I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I've kind of lost track myself. But Ian, this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off. You've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, Buck? Buck? Welcome to the show, episode 19 of the officially unofficial Def Leppard podcast, Def Leppard Pod. And now, here's four little words that mean so much. Video, home, system, tape, or better known as the VHS tape. The first VCR or video cassette recorder commercially available to play the VHS tape was the very nearly legendary Victor HR 3300 in Tokyo, Japan on October the 31st, 1976. And 13 years is a very long time and it was 13 years later in 1989 that the greatest ever VHS tape was born, conceived one year earlier in Denver, Colorado. It is of course Def Leppard's In The Round In Your Face, but what was In The Round In Your Face all about well the back cover nicely tells us and i quote well here it is the final piece of the hysteria puzzle so to speak first the album then the 227 date world tour and then the historia video collection and now a movie of two great nights in denver with a little help from three equally great nights in atlanta We hope you enjoy this film as much as we enjoyed playing this show. Playing in the middle of the arena was a challenge for us every night, as well as a challenge for Wayne Isham, who directed this concert movie. No one had ever quite dealt with this setup before. For those of you who missed the show, fear not, it shall return in the near future with a couple of modifications. Until then, enjoy In The Round In Your Face. So there you go, that's the info that was on the video. But to add a smattering of detail, those two nights were specifically at the McNichols Sports Arena on the 12th and 13th of February 1988. And that additional footage that's referred to were from shows at the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia. So Def Leppard friends, we've got everything we need for this episode. We've got the band, we've got the crowd, we've got the lights, we got the cameras, the action. There's only one thing that we ain't got. No, we've got no women, but we do have a man from Wales. Let's go. Joining me today to talk about the classic Def Leppard concert video, In The Round, In Your Face, loud and proud from Hengoid Town in the Welsh Valleys, is Def Leppard fan extraordinaire David Church. It feels fitting that I start this episode by saying the following. Dave, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? 
Well, do you, punk? Did he fire six shots or only five? <laughs> very lucky and very privileged to join you again, Neil, on your wonderful podcast. The listeners have already heard a short introduction about the In The Round In Your Face video, but just to jog your memory a little. Obviously, it was a concert filmed primarily over two nights in February 1988 at the McNichols Sports Arena in Denver, Colorado. And it was released just over a year later in March 1989 on video. It was then released on DVD in 2001. So this footage, this concert, this video, it holds a real special place in the hearts of lots of Def Leppard fans all over the world. But I wanted to ask you, because I've got you on, what's your personal history with In The Round In Your Face? And what does it mean to you? Yeah, awesome question. It is absolutely iconic for all of us, isn't it? And you and I share something in common. I was too young, age 12, to go and see Def in Newport in Wales, uh, 13. They weren't playing in Wales, but I was still deemed too young by my parents to go and uh, watch them in Birmingham or Wembley. And uh, I would have had to have my parents as a fan, I think, of their Flepper to take me. Mm. So for you and I, I think we share a common bond there. If I recall correctly, your first concert was the 30th of June, the second night at the NEC on the seven-day weekend tour. In 1992, that is excellent knowledge of my. It is, yeah. I I'm impressed myself because I was a day after you on July the first, so I was on the final night. So for you and I, when we bought in the round in your face, we could arguably say that was our first ever Def Leppard concert, wasn't it? Yeah, because. It was the first time we'd seen Death Out Life. I wasn't lucky enough to have MTV back in the day to see the videos of Sugar and Armageddon. They obviously had the footage of it. So for me, in Kerrang! magazine, when I saw, and I'm holding up the uh, original VHS tape there, when I saw this advertised in a local store, I put my £14.99 in, which was two weeks of my paper on money at the time. So I was prepared to go skid to obviously get, get a video. And it was delayed and delayed and delayed. But eventually when I got it, I persuaded my parents that after tea, three of my mates could come round and we could sit there and we could have the evening with a few nibbles and we could watch it ourselves. And... That evening, I remember just opening up. There was something magical, wasn't it, back in the day, but opening a VHS tape, which kids don't appreciate today. He was streaming everything on their phone. And I I remember being mesmerised just by the cover, looking at the stage, and obviously Mm. the stage is in the middle of the arena. I'd read an interview with uh, Joe Elliott where he talked about Peter Mensch gave them the idea because Peter Mensch had gone to see Frank Sinatra. There was no rock band doing it. So the fact that this was in the round, I'd never been to an experience. All of the memories attached with that, for me, it really does feel like it was my first Def Leppard concert. And it was an interesting watch with the three friends at the time. And as we are a family show, I'll never forget the opening credits. And I'll never forget seeing the big hairs and all the leathers, etc. And the stage opening. But in Rock Rock, there was a certain 
tiny little segment the three 14 year old boys wanted to rewind and rewind um well i wanted to push on obviously and just get on with the gig and i ended up watching that twice and what was magical was i remember reading the back as, as i've got now for those of you who missed the show fear not it shall return in the near future with a couple of modifications so when the seven day weekend uk tour was announced in the round you and I then super excited as well as thousands of others that we were going to get to see in the round show ourselves. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And just it's, to be honest, Dave, it's becoming less of a family show as the um, the episodes have uh, been going on. Um, but I'm still trying to keep it on the straights and that, but it, it, yeah. it's getting slightly less. So the bit in Rock Rock that you're talking about is the boobs, isn't it? The boobies, yeah. The boobs, yeah. Not you right know, three... 14-year-old boys say, what is that? What is this what ladies do at concerts? Um, yeah. You know, can we rewatch it again? Yeah, well, there you go. And just to clarify then, did you get this um, around the time of release or was it some years later? It, it, no, it was meant to be the day of the release, but for whatever reason, my local record store, I think it was about two to three weeks behind. You know, if I'd gone to Cardiff, major city and picked it up and would have had it on the day but i think it was two to three weeks later so mm. you know yeah. the the tension was uh, and the stress and the anxiety i wouldn't say depression but i was super eager to watch this vhs and i think you're right as well in terms of and this is the beginning of where in the round in your face is really special because that exists you don't want to essentially live or relive that experience as a Def Leppard fan. So when 1992 rocks up and Adrenalize yeah. comes out and they're actually going to replicate in some form that playing in the rounds, which no one else had done as a rock band. Interestingly, after Def Leppard did it, Metallica did it because they've obviously got yeah. the same management. Bon Jovi as well, yeah, slightly yeah. different, yeah. So it comes a little bit different. So the idea that you could then go and see well, you know, you'd seen on video three years earlier that you've been waiting for and you could hope you'd have that experience for it to then come out and be able to do it on the Adrenalized Tour. It's interesting the way, even though in the round in your face is the Hysteria Tour, it sticks around and it seeps and it informs the excitement and the nostalgia that then operates around like 1992 and probably why we look at that period of the Death Leopard just as fondly um, in many ways. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, just interconnected, wasn't it? And what I, what I particularly liked about when you and I saw a seven-day weekend tour, and I remember reading an interview the band reflected on this was when in the round was initially done in the states. It was that square which was in the dead centre, and throughout the DVD, when you're watching it, you see that the band are playing more to two rather than the four sides, mm. although, you know, you see Sav go up here and Steve go up there. So interestingly, when you and I saw him in Birmingham, the stage, although on the tour poster, it's got a square in the middle, it was more like a diamond shape, wasn't it? Because they turned yeah. the square, mm. which allowed them, when they were playing at the two sides, they just had that wider periphery of more fans who could be involved. And I mm. think that really was the modification that they talked about on the back of the DVD there, you know, whether the rigging and the setup wouldn't quite allow that back in 88, yeah. maybe, but certainly in 92, they could then do that, couldn't they? Yeah. And of course, one thing, one reason why we wouldn't have been able to see it in, um, in the round and the hysteria tour anyway, is that I think it was only the States 
that was yeah. as the infrastructure of the arenas that was set up to carry that weight, you know, that hung yeah, off that's right. the actual yeah. stage. And I remember reading that at the time. I mean, I you've seen in the last 30 years how how technology like moves on like year on year. That you know, it's only five years later that obviously they're able to get things a little bit lighter or whatever that allows them to then, you know, do in the rounds in the UK and Australia um, and other places as well. So Dave, you know, I love a top five. Anyone who listens to Death Left Pod knows that, that increasingly I'm putting <laughs> top fives in um, for different things. It might just be I'm running out of ideas. But anyway, right, who doesn't love a top five? So what I asked you to do, and by the way, I've done the same thing as well, okay? But it's yeah. more about you, and I'll just throw my ones in as uh, superfluous opinions afterwards. But I'm far more interested in your opinions than I am with mine. I've asked you to give me your top five highlights from In The Round in your face. And to be honest, this isn't really about ranking things. It's just a way in to talking about In The Round in your face, and we'll see where it takes us. And as I said to you, it could be anything at all from whole songs, single frames, minor moments, absolutely anything that you want to pick because this is about your experience of in the round in your face. So I'll tell you what, we'll alternate. Yeah. Give me your first highlight from in the round in your face. Right. Well, you know, you're talking about me being a teacher, but you must have been a real battle axe as next teacher because this is the hardest question of all. And I was down to about nine, but obviously you only want five, so I've got to give you what you've asked for. So in no particular order, the one thing which always lives with me, and I literally will watch this on loop. I've recorded it so I can hear it on loop, and that is the guitar dual battle in Die Hard Under between Phil and Steve. That is just he is standing up for me as, as a, a tinker on the guitar. I can just watch it and relive it over and over. Steve on the floor, practically guitar, just rest on his knees, just picking over the field, back and forth. Magical top moment. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. And it's funny that you pick out Steve there. I know exactly the bit where you're talking about where it's like he's got the guitar like flat and horizontal, like yeah. in his like lap almost as he's, you know, he's right down on the floor and he's doing that thing. I'm trying to think of a he's way. Like to, yeah, I'm trying to think it. of a way to verbally describe it because obviously <laughs> people can't see, but it's like he's arcing he's back and forth. Flat. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he's like uh, arcing back and forth with the way he's picking the strings, and it's like the coolest thing that you've ever seen. Do you know one thing I'd say about in the round in your face? And I think you'll agree with me. And I know you've got a particularly cool image of Steve on your wall. But yeah. I watched this again about an hour before we started uh, recording here, just to um, just remind myself of it getting in my head just before we spoke. Honest to God, Dave, you could pause that video or that DVD at any point on Steve and you would create an iconic poster that you could put up on your wall. He looks amazing throughout. Yeah. He just is the quintessential rock star, isn't he? And all of those images that are posted that you see on Facebook, everyone, yeah, is iconic in a way. Not just obviously because sadly because of his passing, but just how cool a rock star he was. And as we know, Joe said that himself, isn't he? Steve was the rock star of the band, yet to you and I, they're all our, the rock stars, they're all our heroes, but there was just something magical about his playing, his stage presence, the shapes that he could throw, 
And I think you would. If you and I were lucky enough to have seen Steve, I think we would have been transfixed on him for the majority of the show. No disrespect to anybody else, but it, it was that moment, wasn't it? No, I agree. And it's interesting because I don't know if you've ever seen that footage of Def Leppard on the Pyromania tour. It's from um, Germany. I think it's in Dortmund. And it's after they've played massive places in America. So they've gone to play in smaller places in, in yeah, Europe. And it's really good. And everyone's brilliant in it and everything. But you can really see how four years on from 1983 yeah. to 1987, like Steve's like craftsmanship and like confidence on stage, which is like obviously strange considering sort of like the background but in terms of how he appears on stage it's next level rock star stuff to where he yeah was it is the, i mean he, he just completely honed his skill earlier this evening i saw an image of steve with richie sambora which i haven't seen for many years on facebook and right. richie for me i you know i love bon jovi as well but they'll always be second to death leopard but every time I've watched Bon Jovi, I've always stood in front of Richie. Luckily, I've got a couple of his plectrums, and I've just been glued to him all night. And I can imagine when I've been watching Richie, that's what I would have been like if I'd been lucky enough to see Steve. But then I wouldn't be transfixed to him for a certain spot because obviously Richie Sambora, when he was with Bon Jovi, was effectively on one side to the middle a few times, but Steve whizzing all around. Ah, it's just a shame that we could never see it, but we've got it visually of me, immortalised on camera in many ways forever. It is, it's there. And it's, it, it, I mean, obviously it's a form of entertainment, but it does also act as like a historic document almost, doesn't it, of, um, yeah. of, 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 of you know, Def Leppard's career. So excellent start. Okay. What is your second highlight? Are we not going to flick back to you now? Come on, it's only fair, one-on-one. Okay, then, no worries. Okay, right. Right, my first one is a massive, massive cheat because it's probably <laughs> it's probably about like <laughs> five minutes long. I've got the whole opening of the video. By the way, I'm just going to call it a video, by the way. Um, okay, right. Yeah, I've looked at the analytics of this podcast, and trust me, not many people under 30 are listening to it. So I think I think we're in a, I think we're all right. I think we're in a safe zone, are we? Yeah, I think people will understand um, what we're referring to with a video. I've got the whole opening. So the opening credits, which is it's yeah. not even black and white. It's like yellow and, yellow and black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all done to like a remix, I don't know which remix, but a remix of, of, of Rockets, probably like one of the Luna mixes um, or something. Yeah, so probably. you see the band arriving, you see the stage being built, you see them behind the scenes, um, you know, in yeah. the dressing room, uh, getting ready. That whole opening is amazing, where you can just sort of see the stage being put together and it's done, you know, obviously to the soundtrack of Rocket. And then it goes to the actual gig itself. And it's the whole, like, sort of bit, like, you know, we just started, you know, the Dirty Harry the you know the stage surrounded by the four curtains and the four curtains have got images from hysteria yeah. on it and then the lights go down and you hear everyone cheer and then it's a welcome to my show and the stage fright starts <laughs> and then the first ah. sort of 30 seconds of it are behind yeah. the screen and then it's edited really well where it's moving around loads and you see, yeah. you know, Sav doing a little dance and, oh, and you, know, you see Steve throwing shapes and what have you. And then it starts and it kicks in, it kicks in. And then the curtains come down and then, you know, it, 
it just starts even more so and there's smoke everywhere. By the way, all of mine I've picked, by the way, I've what I've done is I've picked the ones that when I was a kid, I wanted to watch again and again and again. Yeah, Interestingly, yeah. I'm now 43 and I'm not a kid anymore. And these are still the bits I want to watch. Yeah, again again. <laughs> that's it. But that five minutes to me back then and still to this day is five minutes of the most exciting atmospheric yeah. still really lifts me and like says like i'm buzzing today watching it so pick any hollywood film anything that you want what's supposed to have the best stars in the world i don't care in the round in your face yeah there's five minutes beats it absolutely it is i i i preempted you're gonna say that because without lying to listeners i got that down and i'm showing neil my notes i got that done as my second highlight i called it the opening sequence myself and i know exactly what you mean i hadn't been to a concert this is what a concert looks like when steve does the double devil horns when he gives up to the limbo you know i've used that so many times myself and that's what we, we pick it up from somewhere don't we and for me same as you as it goes dark and the little lasers of the eyes and yeah. the smile and the face and I, I just remember being, and I still will be, mesmerised just watching that. And we share that because we can feel. I, I'm getting passionate now just thinking about seeing your excitement with our opening sequence. And just the way the camera footage was with all of the fans sort of arriving. And like I referred to earlier, is all the big hair and the leathers. You know, a lot of US listeners... It's very uh, controversial to us in the UK, but we don't tend to call Def Leppard a hair metal band uh, because for us, they're just a classic rock band, but we know they've been lumped into that genre sort of in the States. But it really did, in a way, prepare me for my first ever concert Mm -hmm. because fast forward one year later, I went to see the opening night of Vixen's Rev It Up Tour in Cardiff with one mate who had watched the video. And if you remember what Vixen were very much, were they? The leathers, the bestias, the heels, the big hair. And, you know, two 50-year-old boys, we rock up to our first concert and just all the ladies in the audience could have been members of Vixen. And then I was thinking, this is what a, a rock concert is like because you've seen these American ladies like this in the round, and here we are uh, with Vixen in Cardiff, uh, you know, a, a year later. So that for me is absolutely, I totally agree with you. It's goosebumps. Sometimes you don't want to watch the start of the stage, right? Because you want to rewind it again, don't you? And yeah. you want to watch it a second or even a third time. I don't know, maybe watch it seven or eight times, and then you get into the show. But the, the curtain whipping up, the screams, the excitement levels, and I think... The way the Wayne Isham captured some of those audience shots was phenomenal mm. because he was the quintessential director in his day. And I think he was more known for sort of like his Bon Jovi videos, later went on to work with, with Metallica. But what he did within the round, I think he set a benchmark for yeah. film live directing without any shadow of doubt. So just as... Matt had set the standard with Pyromania, really, and then Hysteria on another level. You've then got the greatest concert music director in the world, and the, the, the Sugar and the Armageddon, the live videos, not the UK Sugar in the house, but those videos 
were massively important to the success of Steria as well. So they, they really did have the best of everybody at that time, didn't they? Absolutely. And it's interesting that you said then as well about you know the director and being on the top of his game and it being equivalent to like Mort being on the top of his game because that's we'll actually touch on this later when we compare this to other Def Leppard concerts and videos. And yeah. I don't want to preempt exactly what sort of I was thinking on that for, but what I would say is one of the massive pluses of this video is that it very much comes across like a film. You know, it's yeah, it, it's definitely. very it's very cinematic. It's really well done. It's not a case of getting like you know two BBC cameras and like sort of plonking them somewhere and you just record no. what it is. It's very much directed in a way that enhances the music and enhances the experience and, and puts you in there. Also, as well, am I right in thinking? Is it the the bass player out of Vixen who plays in the Down and Outs with Joe? Yeah, Pedersen. That's right. Yeah, she does. There you go. You, you've completed the circle there. Dave yeah. sees him around in your face, gets him excited about going to a gig and prepares him, gives him an education, goes to see Vixen, and then <laughs> 30 odd years later or whatever it is, um, true, there's, yeah. there's, there's a Vixen influence within the down and out. So, you know what? It's all meant to be sometimes, Dave, isn't it? All the stars align, of course, there. <laughs> it is. All right, so I think it's actually back to me then, isn't it? Because yeah, so back to you because that's that's me in in the same league as you on that yeah. one. I wonder how many we're going to share. I've got a feeling we're going to share at least one more of the same one. Okay, so my other highlights, and again, this comes to the sort of the way it's filmed and the sort of the cinema of it. Yeah. I cannot get enough of the intro to Too Late for Love on this video because one Ooh. one too late for love is one of my favorite death Leopard songs yeah. anyway two the intro of too late for love is my favorite part of too late for love and then yeah. the way it's filmed in this because again you're not going to ever get it again these days are you because obviously people um when it goes dark and if like a ballad comes on they're going to get the phones out and put the torch on it. Obviously, back in the day, yeah. smartphones didn't exist. Matter. And it was the classic, everyone get, you know, the lighters out, so like scorpions, winds to change um, and all yeah. that. <laughs> but it became a bit of a cliche. It became cheesy. But, oh, my God, it does not look cheesy in, in the round in your face. Oh, it looks it so absolutely cool. amazing. And it there's, there's a couple of angles from it where it's like completely black. You can see all, all these, like, you know, little orange lights. And it, it honestly, it looks like Joe's in space or something. They look like <laughs> stars as much as they look like um, lighters. And the whole yeah. atmosphere of it is is absolutely amazing. And that, to me, to this day, and it, like I said, it's the way it's filmed. All of that combined, that is, is it the, oh, you know what? I know we're not right. That might be the highlight for me. I'm not too sure. But it's, put it this way, it's not far off. If I had to pick a one or a two, I think it would mm-hmm. definitely be in um, one or two. Right, you next. Well, interestingly, I said I was down to nine and I had to get to five, so I kept that number six, but I've got something very similar, so I'm going to take it off my list, so this will be my number three. Again, starting with Steve, but the, the, the highlight there is sitting on the steps, Ross Halfin, that picture of Steve, sitting on the steps is there, the start of the new version of Bringing on the Heartbreak with Phil Flamenco Colin 
on the acoustic guitar, Phil tuning and nodding to Steve. Let's kick in. Let's go for it. Joe, going to do a new song for you in a, in a little bit of a different way. And then kicking into the full electric then at the end. And the, the passion, the fire in the band to deliver what to them was obviously the real song that got, got them all of that MTV video play back in the day, bringing on the heartbreak, being that song. You and I in the UK only discovering Hysteria. I had bought Pyromania, fell in love with it, bought High and Dry, bought On to the Night, but that was the first time that I was seeing a High and Dry song live, not knowing just a massive bringing on the heartbreak was for them in the States and in the history of the career. And then for Joe to say we're going to do it in a slightly new, different way, I was thinking, well, what was the old way? <laughs> and what was that like on the Pyromania tour? What, how good was that song on the High and Dry tour? And because obviously we can see footage now, we know that it, it was great. But I think bringing on the heartbreak in the round is the quintessential performance of that song on the Hysteria tour. So that for me is one that I will regularly rewind and rewatch. That's my number three. Ah, it's what it is. Yeah. It's here, my friend. And you know what I love about what you said about that? Is you could just say bringing on the heartbreak. But there's loads of little bits in it that alone are like real highlights. And you know, when I said to you, it can be anything that you want. It could be whole songs. It'd just be really minor moments. This was probably one of the songs that I was thinking about. I I love something you just said then, because... I've always thought I've been a little bit strange loving this bit. But you know where you said the bit where they do the intro at the start and then they're about to kick into, you know, the uh, the main yeah. guitar part and Phil turns around to look at Steve to get the timer yeah. right and he starts. That's I've it. always loved that bit. And I don't know yeah. what it is about it. But it's just, it's just a like, human bit, isn't it? Yeah, Are we good re- to go? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you're right. It's like a real like yeah. human like sort of like connection. And you know what other bit? So I'm right. Everything that you said, I agree with, and I'm not going to repeat um, what you said, um, because I'd, I would simply be repeating what you said. I agree entirely with everything that you said. The one other bit that I used to love when I was a kid, in particular, is the whole bit when they stop partway through like the verse or something, yeah. and Trump. the crowd starts cheering, and then they go to start again. But yeah. they can't because the crowd's too loud. That's oh, awesome. I, I used to love that so much. Yeah. And, and that's why it's so good in the round in your face. There's loads of little bits of theatre in it and little bits of drama. We know Def Leppard. We know that they yeah. probably did that on loads of other nights and it's a bit of a contrived they thing did. they did. And there would have been other nights where like maybe, you know, they just stopped and the crowd cheered a bit. And then like you know, five seconds later, they crack on again. No but way. that night it didn't happen and it was caught on film. Yeah. And it was just, it's really, really cool. And I used to love all of that stuff when I was a kid and I still love it now. And as I said, it just, all of these little things just give the whole video just a little bit more loads of personality isn't it yeah more pizzazz yeah, and the, yeah. the final little nuance in that song for me is just when joe really is banging out his big old pipes on just going for shouting and singing bringing on the heartbreak and just keeping it going until obviously his voice can't take any more and that just elevates that to an absolute highlight in that set list for sure yeah, excellent. All right, well, 
we're going to return the favor now where we're going to stay on you because my third one was the same one as, yeah, okay. as, you, as you. So what's your fourth highlight? My fourth one is linked to two things, really. And the fourth highlight for me has got to be the Rock of Ages sing-along. And partly, well, for a number of reasons, but just, just to see that crowd interaction... Because, as I said, I'd never seen a live show. I'd never even seen a DVD, well, a VHS back then, of any live show. And then to see that there's a section, okay, so Steve and Phil and Sav, they've gone off somewhere. It's just Joe and Rick, and Joe is now working the four sides of the stage, seeing the reactions. I always remember the guy with the big beard, you know, and I was thinking, God, he looks like my granddad. And yet there's people there my age, you know, these young kids to like old men in the crowd and just all the lighting of how he's done. And let's get this side to be louder than this side. And yeah, it's a bit like UK pantomime, isn't it? You know, let's get side A to be side B and just working around all that and that was something I was super excited about in Birmingham when we got to see the exact same thing happen with us and you could see the crowd on this side and you know almost like the Mexican wave let's do it louder and I might have overthought it and, and I've got a bootleg of, of the show that I saw at the NEC and it was probably only like seven or eight minutes but it felt like half an hour yeah. Because Joe just kept just kept going and going, and I was thinking, is this longer than in the round, or is this because this is the final night of the UK tour? They've done eight arenas, which was massive mm. for their club back in the day. Yeah, okay, we've got thirteen established arenas today, and Def Leppard played twelve of them on the Stevie and More tour, um, but but. To have that and to feel, right, I've seen this in the DVD and here I am now, I'm a 16-year-old lad and I, I, I'm i doing it, but obviously with a different stage. That was superb. And what really sort of gelled it for me was on January the 1st in 1990 on the BBC documentary Rock of Ages mm. where they used that footage. So that was just sort of reiterating how powerful that was. It was showing the connection of the band with the fans. So that will bring back so many associated memories from the Adrenalized tour as well. That will always be one of my top five. That was an easy pick for me. Probably the easiest with Die Hard, the, the, the dual guitar battle. That's in mine as well. That was my number five. The whole crowd participation bit and everything that you said. I think we might have been separated at birth here, Dave. Uh, We could have, yeah, yeah. like three years. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You've still got your hair. Good lad. But the whole thing about then, really hoping when I went to see them in 1992 that they would do it, being a massive part. And then when they did, on the night before you um, saw it, just being absolutely amazing and just something that... If you could have asked me one thing that I wanted to happen in that gig, it would have been that whole crowd participation bit. And it's excellent. But there's loads of cool little bits in it as well. Like, you know, the bit where, you know, he asked him to sing it again when they haven't done it very good the first time. And he does it. Yeah. And then he does that little <laughs> shuffle backwards. And he, like, sort of does, like, a, like a come Yeah, yeah. yeah. With his thing. And then there's, a, there's another bit. He, he moves over to the other side, the side of the stage. And then he gets them to do it. And he goes, I don't know. I really don't know. And you see shake, him shaking, shaking, his, the shaking his head, looking at Rick, <laughs> looking at Rick like he's genuinely disappointed. Um, but obviously, that crowd's amazing. 
So it's it, classic British panto, though, isn't it? You it know, is, it's it's really it's really good. Do you wish they would go back to doing that type of thing again at gigs? Because I don't think I've seen them do that for years now. That whole crowd no, participation I mean, bit. That 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 crowd participation was awesome. Maybe it was in a in a time and a moment. Hi everyone, Neil here, and a quick insert while we're on the topic of a song from Pyromania. Now, a short while back, I was a guest on the very excellent Michael's Record Collection podcast. And you can find Michael's podcast on whatever app you're using by simply searching using the words Michael's Record Collection. And if you check out episode 38, you'll hear our chat all about the Pyromania album and even a little bit about this podcast Death Left Pod. Check out all of his other episodes too. He's got an eclectic mix of both guests and topics. And I'll let Michael's own words do the talking here. This is the brief for his podcast. Let's listen to records or CDs or MP3 or whatever you've got together. I share stories, artist interviews and reviews from the world of music with an emphasis on rock, prog, metal, pop, especially 70s and 80s, indie or whatever else is floating my boat at any given time. As well as for searching for it, if you check out the show notes, I'll put a link to the podcast there as well, and also the particular episode. So make sure you check that out. And now back to my conversation with Dave and In The Round, In Your Face. If there was ever going to be like a real big participation like that again, I would have thought it would have been in some of the big stadium shows with journey mm. you know but we know they're limited to the hour and a half because we had some good participation in don valley didn't we yeah but we it didn't feel like we had the participation that we had a year earlier on on the seven day weekend tour um yeah i'd, I'd like to see more of it but you know the question is do they then drop rock on out of the set list so they can do the crowd participation if they're limited to an hour and 30, where, you know, when we saw that tour, it, it was a two-hour gig, which is fantastic, but we have been limited, haven't we, to an hour and a half um, in the more recent tours. So question for the band. Let's hope they're listening. Yeah, yeah, a bit of crowd participation is excellent. Talking at the Don Valley gig, one very subtle bit of crowd participation. Go back and watch the video, Dave, because it's absolutely amazing. I forgot it until I saw it um, a couple of months ago. Is when you see the whole—I uh, can say ground then—you see the whole arena clapping to um, another hit and run, the verse part of the game. Yeah, yeah, that and was like, It's absolutely amazing. It's like it's probably one of the one of the best shots in the Don Valley gig. But we're not here to talk about Don Valley. We can do that on another show. What we're here to talk about is in the round in your face. So yeah, I have. That one as well. So we've both got one each left. We've had three of the same. Okay, right. Yeah. Watch. I reckon we've got the last. I reckon we've got the same last one. I reckon we have. I think we haven't, or we maybe only half because I combined two. Okay, go on. I've had to combine two to one. So these songs still give me goosebumps live. They make me very emotional, and from the first time I saw it on in the round. And um, Armageddon and Photograph are the two absolute standout songs. As much as I love every other song, they are my quintessential favourites 
and I'm ju- I'm just always love the outro to Armageddon, which mm-hmm. is obviously now Phil rather than Steve. Goosebumps live, favorite song. And then when you get into the final crescendo, the double guitar target photograph, you know the concert's coming to end. It's been a glorious night. They're finishing on what is, for me, one of their top five songs of all time. The song that really launched Pyromania to its 10 million Diamond Award sales in America. But at the same time, getting emotional because, you know, this is it. This is the last song. The gig is coming to an end. I don't want it to end. And I, I, I'm i honest, like with my heart on my sleeve, I cry every time I get to the last section of Photograph Live. I close my eyes just to take in that, that double mm. guitar between Phil and Viv for those last couple of seconds. And then there's that massive outpouring. It is a kind of grief because we're not lucky like the US fans that so we can see Def Leppard year in, year out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We wait three, four years yeah. between two us and they're part of our they feel like our extended family that we only meet every so many years and we get them for a couple of hours and then they're gone. So yeah. I think it, it, it really does resonate. I remember the, the at Liverpool, as photograph end, because I was then at the back of the arena from mm. being side stage winning the competition, just looking around at the very end of the arena, the emotions. And there are people openly weeping, but we all feel the same. But it's great to see other fans know, you know, we were thinking maybe it'll be 2021. We're going to be lucky if it's going to be 2023 or even 2024 mm. by the time we could see Def Leppard back in the UK, and that's something magical happens with the stadium talk extended. So, photograph for a, the, the claws in a motion, but also just the guitar in Armageddon there and just, just the groove all the way through the song. And I always, I believe to myself, I don't know whether it's true, but I always think there's an extra twinkle in the band's eye when they play Armageddon and when mm. they play Photograph, as well as maybe, you know, obviously Sugar, Animal, a couple of other songs, but you can just really see it's a party song, isn't it? And you're yeah. at that gig for a party with, with your heroes. Yeah, definitely. So definitely. Maybe I caught you out because I put two in one there. So well, have you come for one though? To be honest, Dave, I'd call that blatant cheating. However, I like you, so therefore I'll allow, oh, you, okay. I'll allow you to cheat, and that's fine. <laughs> and just I'd say that two songs is one. <laughs> and I think the band know as well that those two songs in particular, because I know I'm again, for example, is a lot of people's favorite song or in the top two or three. And yeah. Photograph, even though it's being played to death, remains amazing. Um, in way, yeah. in maybe the way one or two lose a little bit but it's still great songs but photograph just never loses anything no it's perfect isn't it it is you're right perfect perfect so i'll be very quick with my one my one is the introduction to pour some sugar on me i just love the whole i just love the whole introduction of rick and the whole thunder god um bit and the whole you know Four and a half years is a very long time. Thanks for keeping the yeah. faith. You know, I, I, That's I, it, yeah. I, yeah, I could quote all of that, like, verbatim. And, like, the little bit, goes, Denver, can you sing? And all of that was, like, little That's bit. Yeah, take it yeah I really love. I, do you know what? I only found this out sort of in the last year or so. I never knew why Rick has got a T-shirt with his face on it. Do you know why he's got a T-shirt with his face on the back of it? 
on on the very back. On the very back, he's got a picture of his own face on the back yes. of his t-shirt on in the round in your face video. It's it's so obvious why, but it never actually occurred to me why he did that. Do you know why? I'm just gonna take a wild guess because I don't think I've read the same thing as you. So obviously his drum is turning, so everybody can keep. You know, you can see all four corners because obviously the band are in the round. On the adrenaline tour that we saw, it was exactly the same, but we obviously had the added bonus of Sav going up on yeah. the drum riser, wasn't it? During Rocket, phenomenal. So I can only allude to maybe that's the reason why. Yeah, that, that's exactly it right. Is, he, is decided it? To, he decided to put his face on the back of it because he knew that for like half the gig. He, he would have his back to the crowd, so he came up with the idea of putting his face on the back of it. Well, I mean, as I've was, never read that. No, it's just yeah, logic. I mean, you yeah, could have been wrong, though. Yeah, but it's never actually occurred to me that's why he did it. I just, I just thought, oh, he's got a T-shirt with his face on the back of it. It never actually <laughs> occurred to me, as I said. Not the cleverest person in the world, Dave. So, um, yeah, that's why. Right, okay. Highlights we have gone through. Excellent. You've conquered. We have conquered. So, let's go on to the set list for this actual gig. And importantly, the set list for the gig itself, what the people at in Denver, Colorado saw, as opposed to what we actually see on the video. So the video yeah. isn't actually the full gig. There are four songs missing that they actually played on those two nights in Denver. So the first is Don't Shoot Shotgun. Second is Let It Go. Third, in, this one's really interesting. Third is Tear It Down, which is the B-side of Animal. So people will have heard it, but they're playing a B-side. And yeah. then they play Travel and Band as well. Now, if you can let me bore you for a minute, I just want to go through with you, Dave, exactly where those songs appear in the set list. And then essentially, I'm going to ask you um, a question for the pros and cons about leaving out these songs, i.e., do you think it was a good idea to leave out one or all of these songs? Would you have thrown them all in? Uh, would you take them one or two out? Does it flow better not having them in? Whatever you want, but I was going to go through the songs in, in order. So of what was actually played on the night. So we start with Stage Fright, goes to Rock Rock, then it goes to Women. So the first three are exactly as you see on the video. Mm. Then you get Don't Shoot Shotgun off Hysteria, obviously. That isn't on the video. Then you've got Too Late for Love, Hysteria, Steve's guitar solo before the Gods of War, Gods of War. Then you've got Die Hard the Hunter, Bring It on Heartbreak, Foolin', I'm Again, Animal, Pour Some Sugar on Me, Phil's guitar solo. Right, all that's exactly the same as the video. They then actually played Let It Go before they played Rock of Ages. So it actually goes Pour Some Sugar on Me, Let It Go, right. Rock of Ages. Yeah. Where on the video, it goes from Pour Some Sugar on Me straight through to Rock of Ages. They then actually play two encores. The first encore, they play Tear It Down, and then they play Photograph. So obviously on the video, you get Rock of Ages. They go off and they come on for an encore of just one song, which is Photograph. But they did actually play Tear It Down, then Photograph. They then actually went off again and came back on. And then they did a second encore, which was Travel and Band, which is obviously the Creedence Clearwater revival cover that they yeah. started doing on the Pyromania. So of those four songs, three of them come right near the end. You know, Let It Go is the second to last song in the main set. Tear It Down is an encore. Travel and Band is an encore. The only one that is more embedded in the set early on is Don't Shoot 
shock gun. So essentially, would you rather see in the round in your face with all of that on it? Or have they done the right thing in leaving one or more of those songs off, in your opinion? Yeah, tough question. Um, you know, we 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 know this as this, don't we? And and 14 um songs and they seem to fly by. Um I would have loved to have seen obviously the the entire show, which now that that is one one thing that you know thousands of fans we would all relish in if ever we could see this uh with that full set list. But I didn't I didn't actually know some of the running order that you said. So that's really interesting. And going off and then coming back on, doing another one. Ultimately, if I recall right, I remember reading an interview where the cost of this was projected at $1.5 million. Okay. Um, and whether whether that was, you know, just a, an estimate or one underestimate, they're also going to be limited, obviously, into the mass production. But like part of me would think, if you're going to be spending millions, you may as well go all out, get a whole show, get everything recorded on it. Um, there are pros and cons. I mean, for example... Don't shoot shotgun. Um, I would have loved to have seen, but then for you and I watching the Stadium Motor to watch Don't Shoot Shotgun in its rightful place, the same as the, the fans who were lucky to go to the uh, the Viva Las Vegas a uh, number of years before us. I don't know. You know, if you were a purist, I don't know how well it, it, it went down in the different nights. I mean, because today now we've got Facebook, we can see instantly, can we, fans' reaction, don't shoot shock again, brilliant, blah, blah, blah. Like I mentioned Rock on earlier. I enjoy it, but I'd sooner see a Def Leppard classic in his place because it's been used so many times now. Um, and I loved it when, when I got to see it three times on the Stadium Motor. Let it go, I think, definitely should have been there. Bringing on the heartbreak is there. Let it go would have been fantastic. But obviously the band, like, they're, like they're choosing the album, they're choosing the set list. There's so much thought that, that goes into it. And I'm sure there were many conversations, possibly many arguments as to what songs might have been dropped off. I wouldn't have been interested, if I was honest, to have seen Travelling Band, to see a cover and think, what the hell is this to a 14-year-old me? I want to see another Def Leppard song. But the older me now appreciates those covers. And obviously through seeing that that was a staple in the diet on the Pyromania tour, and, you know, Brian May would come out, um, even on the Adrenalized tour, John Monroe, Richie Sambora, come out in New Jersey, they're doing the one song. I would relish that now, but the 14-year-old of me would have screamed, what the hell is this? Give me another Def Leppard song. Um, so I could see why Travelling Band was let, left off it. I think teared it down, we always knew that that was worthy of being a single release in itself, wasn't it? And when that was played at the MTV Awards, where everybody's probably expecting Sugar or Armageddon, or even Love Bites is the only number one US single, when they came out with Tear It Down, that was super exciting to see the mm. song the we hadn't yet seen live, mm. yet we were lucky to see it on the seven-day weekend tour, weren't we? And it worked magically on the Adrenalize tour. Um I, I, I don't know, maybe you could educate me whether they play Tear It Down regularly every night on the 227 dates of the entire tour, or was that something specifically because, obviously, 
the two nights in Denver and the three nights Atlanta, they were being filmed for the DVD, wasn't it? So what extra can we put in? You know, was it sort of overfill because they knew some would take out? Mm. Or was it, unless we check every set list, which I'm sure you've done in the past, Neil, can you smile it? Uh, and we saw every set list, we knew exactly how many times I was playing. It does leave it up or open for a very interesting debate, isn't it? I mean, I've seen all of those songs since, apart from Travelling Band. It's interesting because I think in the round in your face is perfect. So part of me, and when you were saying then about what, what came to mind then when you were talking about Travelling Band, you've just been talking about five minutes ago about how much you love photograph. And it's like that photograph ending to a gig is the perfect end to a Def Leppard gig. So yeah. do you need more songs? And it really, it, I suppose it's, not quality over quantity. You know what it reminds me of, Dave? When I was a kid, I always used to think, you know, when you get a choice of pizza, you can have a thin crust or you can have a deep pan pizza. And I always used yeah. to think, well, obviously I'll have a deep pan pizza because there's more <laughs> pizza. And I feel I thought anyone who didn't get a deep pan was mad. It never made any logical sense to me. Now that I'm older, I wouldn't touch uh, a deep pan pizza with a barge bowl. I'd always go for a thinner one because it's just yeah. more appetizing and it doesn't, you know, you're not, you're not left bloated and all that. And I wonder if adding these four songs would make this bloaters. It's like you, you think you want more. You know, you have the, that saying, do you have this in Wales, eyes bigger than belly? You know, when you, oh, order, yeah, you, know, you order, yeah. order a load of stuff <laughs> off the menu, you think, oh, I want all that. Well, then you regret it. You I wonder if in the round in your face and these extra four tracks is a little bit like that. I'm not too sure. Hello, everyone. Neil again and insert number two. Dave has gone off to admire his Def Leppard man cave. There he is, hands on hip, his stride wide, nodding knowingly as it sinks in that he has the greatest Def Leppard man cave known to humanity. So while he does that, I thought I'd fill the gap by sharing some short clips with you from the Rock Remastered YouTube channel, which has the audio recordings from Denver that Dave and I were just discussing. Here's a little bit of Don't Shoot Shotgun, let it go and tear it down from the McNichols Arena, Denver, Colorado, February 1988 that don't actually feature on the In The Round In Your Face video. Yeah. 
And of course, there was the fourth song, Travel and Band, as well. But rather than play part of that song, instead, have a little listen to the intro from Joe, where he references the recording that's taken place that night to the crowd. And it's great because we get to break down the fourth wall of In The Round in your face a little bit and almost see behind the scenes. I can't say it enough, really. I don't think we could have picked a better place anywhere in the world to make a video. So what we can really do is thank you. The only way we really know how is that is by playing some rock and roll. Good that, isn't it? So if you stick round to the very end of the episode, we'll actually finish with Joe's last words after that song finishes. And it's good. You'll hear how chuffed he is and the band are about how the night has gone. But for now, Dave is back from his man cave, so let's crack on with our chat. I am allowing you, if you wanted, to add one more song to In The Round In Your Face. It has to be a song that they could have played yeah. at that time, i.e. it's on an album or it's on a B-side at that time. So, you know, you couldn't have, you know, Let's Get Rocked On There or something like that because it hasn't been written yeah. in, in 1988. If you could pick one song to, for them to play on In The Round In Your Face to make it better, if that's even possible, what would your one song be? Right, well, talking about endings, we keep Photograph as the final encore, but to end before the encores begin, it has to come from the end of Pyromania. And I know that there will be so many people who are on the same, same wavelength because it has never been played, and that is coming under fire. Mm-hmm. In the same vein as Too Late for Love, coming under fire would be phenomenal. So with, like, with all the deep cuts in Las Vegas to see some some tracks there. Billy's got again coming under fire on the in the round would have been phenomenal. Now whether we whether we believe what's out there or whether we don't, that it's only Sav that actually objects to uh, the complications of uh, the keyboards and the bass and playing etc. And Joe hinting, you know, if there is a Pyromania residency in twenty twenty three. For 40 years of Pyromania, if this is true, Sav's got no choice. He's going to have to uh, work his magic to play that. That would be absolutely phenomenal to see then. But in 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 that show there, I, I could just see, I could see Too Late for Love going into Kevin under fire yeah, yeah, yeah. with the same lighting, the same atmosphere, if that makes sense to you. That, that to me is a, it would be a no-brainer. Yeah, I think you're spot on. And you know what? Not only have you picked a brilliant song that 99% of Def Leppard fans would love to see, you've done something even better there. You've put it in exactly the right place in the set list, putting it after Too Late for Love. If we, we need, it fits perfect. We should work on, on the stage crew, Neil. Pick the set list with the boys. So, <laughs> I'll just say my choice really, really quickly because it is actually a song that they did play later on in the tour. They weren't playing it at this point. You just mentioned it. It gets to number one, Love Bites. And there is YouTube footage 
of you know of them playing in the rounds and where you do see them playing love bites after it's being released and after it's got to mm-hmm. number one and it's a really special song to me because it's the first song that I heard from Def Leppard and I still love it to this day and I know they did then actually play it on that tour so it'd be interesting if you know this this had been filmed just six months later love bites yeah. would definitely been on absolutely there, you know the number one American hit yeah. would definitely been on this so it's a shame it's not however Love Bites is available live on lot in lots of other formats, and you know we can we can still experience it. But I suppose that's um, that that's one. That, that that would have made perfect sense because if you just take those fourteen songs, and we do a little bit of numeracy, you got the seven from Pyromania, you got six from Stadium, and one from High and Right. So if it was a fifteenth, you'd have seven there with Love Bites from Stadium, wouldn't you? Yeah. So our version then of in the round in your face as Love Bites and coming under fire on there, and I think. That's better than Don't Shoot Shotgun, Let It Go, Travel and Band, and uh, whatever, you know, I'll tear it down. I think our two choices are better than those four combined, even though there's only two songs. Let us know if you agree with me and Dave. You can obviously get in touch with um, the podcast on Twitter at Def Left Pod, or you can get in touch, in touch on Facebook, Def Left Pod Neil, um, or you can email the podcast Def Left Pod 2020 at gmail.com. So let us know what you think. Um, of mine and Dave's choices there and what you think of those four songs, whether they should have been on or not, and what you would put on there. Dead quick question. Can you improve in the round in your face? Do, do those songs improve it or do you still think you hold back as perfect as it is or can it be improved? There's obvious ways in which it can be improved, which everybody's crying out for, and that is simply for the re-released, remastered Blu-ray at last, you know, in the modern day version of In The Round. And I didn't notice, I've got to be honest now, not because I'm just tone deaf myself and I can't sing, but I didn't clock that the 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 singing is slightly out for a number of years. What you're listening to when you're looking at Joe, there are certain sections where you can see clearly because you're so caught up in the live video, you don't acknowledge it. Where today you'd think, was that an oversight? Was this something? Was the person doing the timing? You know, how on earth was that edited that made that tiny, what today we call bloopers, isn't it? Mm. And we watch all of those reels. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't take anything away from us. But like you said, I love the opening sequence. I absolutely adored watching the ending, mm. seeing the boys in their dressing gown, and I'm privileged to now own that dressing gown you from are. the Def Leppard vault. I just need to get a fluffy slippers of uh, <laughs> the elephant or the moose or whatever uh, and post that picture. And just watching Joe walk out the, to the arena. Do you remember the bit where yeah, he's yeah, just yeah. kind of like looking around and nodding? Yes, we did this. What a feeling mm. that must have been. Even to the two, you know, the guys at the end, folding up the flag of Elvis, yeah. packing it away. Um, and although you were buzzing, just right at the end, dedicated to Steve, one of their talk crew members who mm. passed away and... Oh, there was a, that tinge of sadness, but that beautiful respect for a beloved crew member at the end. And Sav walking out with uh, Cliff Bernstein in, in the court and Cliff yeah. almost like put his arm and escaped to the tour bus. And it's all sort of the awe and the majesty. I would absolutely love to see in the vein 
of Iron Maiden DVD documentaries, which you cannot beat for the amount of extra footage. Yeah. I would love to see an extended in the round footage of all the, the pre and the after show stuff. That would be magical because it exists and we know it exists. Yeah, you're right. You, you can't beat that. And that, that would be fantastic to add on top of it. And it's interesting that you say about the, you know, the way the vocals are synced with the, the images and like the whole continuity. <laughs> Because you could drive yourself mad looking at Stav's. Uh, you probably will now, but uh, yeah. <laughs> dis- disappearing and reappearing t shirts under his jacket yes. throughout every single song. And the bass shots. guitar to the actual six string guitar in a certain video. What? What is that? Eh? What? <laughs> yeah. you know, you're right. It does. It, 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 goes all, it goes all over the place. All right, then. Okay. So. We've obviously talked about in the round in your face, which is concert footage. Just a quick little chat about this then. Does any other Def Leppard concert footage that's been released come close to this? So the ones that came to my mind, and you can fill in any gaps if I've missed anything out, which I might have, is that you've got the Viva Las Vegas, so the first Vegas residency, you know, that that's out and available. You've got the latest Vegas red- residency. You've got them playing Hysteria at the O2. You've got the, uh, so that's from 2018. Then you've got the, and there will be a next time DVD from 2015 um, on the, when they're doing a tour for the self-titled album. There's another DVD I've got. I don't know if it's an official release. It's the one where they're on the Euphoria tour in Japan. I think it was filmed for Japanese telly maybe, and they've made it into a DVD. I don't think it's a... That's right. Yeah. Yeah, Wow TV. Yeah, so they're the ones that sort of come to mind. I might have, I might have missed um, something there. But do any of them come close to in the round in your face? Right, this is a tricky one. Or ultimately, it would be no. But there is one that is incredibly special to me, which is is just below in the round. So, if I just not to be dismissive, the Detroit gig for me is my least go-to. It was very much for me. It felt like it, it was filmed for TV. Yeah. But it, it wasn't it wasn't picking on, you know, we know, right? This is Phil Solo. This is Viv Solo. Sounds doing this particularly quintessential uh, p- uh, baseline at the moment. And Rick's doing this, uh, Phil, and, and Joe's doing that. I just felt it was all... I didn't think it was as professional. I think the quality, obviously, in the round was the benchmark. And, and Detroit was is unfortunately the lowest. No disrespect to any fan who's there because it looked an incredible show, but it's never going to get that cinematic approach uh, as in the round. Um, so the, the, the Detroit is is way down. The Japan DVD film for TV, a lot of their TV things that they film are superb because they, they're of a better quality than what we'll see in, in UK show fans um you could also add in uh the johannesburg in south africa yeah. which was filmed for tv mm. and also there's a bootleg of um soul in korea but they mm. they very much look like the grainy sort of like an alternative almost like they could have been a bootleg so yeah. they're never going to be on that level of the day as to what we want the viva las vegas i went to the cinema uh, to watch that, I don't know if you did yourself. I did and... in St Helens in Northwest England. It wasn't on right. where I live, but it was on in St Helens, which wasn't too far. And yeah, 
And well, here's another one. I saw it in a place called Nantgaru, which is near Kefili, not far from Pontypridd. And um, I dragged my brother-in-law along to that, and that that was brilliant to see because he was the first deaf leopard in the cinema. The Lords of Bands, mm. obviously, now doing. And just I just remember watching Phil being on that platform, start of women mm. lowering down, brilliant audience shots. Then next thing you know, I'm seen on social media. There's there's Nicholas Cage backstage with with their flavor. No way, you know. Yeah. And some of these other celebrities would come out. So that was really cool. But I think that was unique, wasn't it, to the celebration of we 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 put in hysteria out there in full. Um, I think if we had got to see the dead flatbird set list where they did side one of high and dry, then followed by Viva Hysteria, I think that would that would have elevated it to another level um, as well. Although obviously we could see behind the scenes and the extras and when the DVD came out, we could see that. But mm. I think as a whole experience, that would have been um, fantastic. I loved the, the Vegas with all the deep cuts. Um, oh, Neil, that would have been a bucket list item for you as well as me. Yeah. If we could have afforded to have flown out there and, you know, whether we were lucky enough to see three shows or like some of the fans who were there every single night, you know, in, in different places, that was magical. But I will put Hysteria at the O2 as my second and just under in the round. And the reasons for me is obviously, like yourself, you fell in love with Love Bites, I fell in love with Animal, but we both fell in love with Hysteria to finally now, all these years after Asteria in Las Vegas, to now see it for me in Cardiff and Nottingham and with you then in Liverpool, to finally see our album being shown will be so magical because I was at Cardiff the show before the O2. So that was the Cardiff on the Tuesday, which was just a couple of nights ago now, three years ago. The O2 was on the Thursday, Nottingham was on the Saturday. As a teacher, I couldn't go to the O2 as much as I wanted to because by the time I would have gone home in the morning, well, it's probably going to bed because it's time to get up for school. So I was at Cardiff, it's my hometown, it's Tuesday night. I could do Nottingham because it was a Saturday. I could also do Liverpool a week later because it was a Saturday. So I'm at Cardiff watching my favourite album in its entirety. I do a meet and greet. I get filmed for the tour documentary. I go up to Nottingham, knowing that the O2 show has been filmed. I hang around for two hours by the tour buses, only five of us. The whole band come out. We have a good conversation, photos. It's the first time I've met all the band in one, because usually Rick is on the bus and he's away. And I spoke to Joe and I asked him, you know, how was the O2 show? And we talked about the documentary and Joe said, everything that we're filming will be on the accompanying DVD when London to Vegas comes out, which Joe in his own words said will be at least a year. Mm. So when London to Vegas was released, before I even watched the show, I put on that documentary and was mortified that none of this backstage filming that we'd taken place in was on there. There was only a little sort of nine, 10, 11 minute segment mm. 
when I was opening for one of those Iron Maiden specials, you know, yeah. and now we're behind the scenes. I met so many cool fans with different stories. I couldn't wait to see their stories on the DVD. Maybe you'll see the light of the day one day. So for me then, when I watched that show, because I'd seen either show either end, I felt uh, all of the guitar throwing, all of Joe's little uh, bits of conversations, you know, the stagecraft, I felt it was identical to Cardiff, mm. to Nottingham, also to Liverpool. We mm. were seeing, you know, a complete rehash. So although I wasn't in that DVD in that sense, like we were for Don Valley, but, you know, you might have been spotted in the crowd, but I was way, way back. It was reliving everything I'd seen. So that, for me, because of all of the memories attached, it takes it almost to the level of in the round. But it'll never be in the round because that was my first live gig. It's a, it's a very close second. Excellent answer. And I'm not going to trample over your... Um over your your personal experience by sort of by contaminating it with what I think or anything. I think we're going to leave it there. I think that's perfect. When you look at how well anything hysteria related is received by fans, and you just look just because of the sheer quality uh, of that album, an album that hasn't aged whatsoever in my eyes or in, or in my ears, that recording of in the round in your face should that have been released as the first. Def Leppard live album, and not only the first Def Leppard live album, because obviously in 1985, Iron Maiden released Live After Death. They released it as a live album, and they released it as a live video, and that's a massive thing in their discography and their whole back catalogue. It was there for Def Leppard. I don't know why they never released a live album, but I think that In The Round In Your Face could have been Def Leppard's Live After Death, and I love Iron Maiden, but obviously loving Def Leppard more, I think it would have been even better than Live After Death. I'm throwing no shade on Live After Death. I love Live, I love Live After Death. So should that have been released as Def Leppard's first and main and what well, to this day be the most iconic live album documenting the height of their career in terms of their most successful studio album? Two words. Missed opportunity. Absolutely. I remember being so excited to see with the Rocket 12-inch, the B-side, Women Live from Denver on import. I actually picked that up on a school trip in London. And there were a couple of other guys on, on the coach who were in school with me. They kind of liked Def Leppard. And I remember just turning over and staring at this in HMV and going, this is women live from the in the round. And, and I, I wasn't interested in the rocket. I just wanted to put that on, on the, you know, phonogram, listen to that. And as time has gone on, obviously we, we've heard more come from it. I don't, I don't know why that it wasn't released because on, on the back of the story of VHS, it talks about, here it is, the final piece of the Stereo Puzzle, so to speak. The album, the tour, Historia, then this. Well, the album, the live album of this, would have been the, 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 the fifth part of the Jigsaw, wouldn't it? And I didn't actually know until a couple of years ago, um, that for many, many years, that 
a recording, which is obviously a bootleg, has been circulated and widely bought en masse of this, but on CD as opposed to vinyl. But effectively, well, there we are. There's live in the round, but in an audio format for you to listen to. So, you know, whatever the reason was, whether it was the cost or whether that that, that is done to the moment, because it was such a phenomenal album and just mega full of the hits and singles missed opportunity what would the what would the management say at the time did they feel by the time they got the rocket it's almost to a point of overkill now mm. that you know we're, we're up to rocket and we want to put another release out but we know thousands upon thousands would, would have bought that yeah so. yeah definitely i i read um an interview from a magazine from at the time, just before it was about to be released, where Joe was talking about in the round in your face being released, that might might give a little hint to why it isn't a live album. And I think possibly the reason might be is that the audio wasn't set up for it to be recorded as a live album. And in the sense that, you said something interesting really earlier about because you're looking at the images, you don't notice other things necessarily about the sound. And I actually think if you take the images away from in the round in your face, and you just listen to the audio, the, the actual sonic sound of the audio could be a lot better, but you don't notice it when yeah. you're watching it. You don't notice it when you're watching a video because the two things marry up the audio almost doesn't need to be as good. And Joe mentions that, essentially it was recorded not haphazardly but i think it was recorded in quite a basic way and then they literally whacked a load of reverb on it for anyone who doesn't know what reverb is it's essentially echo makes it sound like you know you're in a big cavernous place they essentially whacked a load of reverb on it and that's that's the audio track that accompanies so when they put that together it doesn't sound like it was prepared in a way in which for it to be a live album which Makes you ask the question, well, why didn't they prepare it for it to be a live album? Yeah, and, makes and that's, sense. that's obviously a management um, sort of decision um, at the time. So, Peter mentioned um, Cliff Bernstein, you need to take a long, hard look at yourselves there. I've got two more questions for you because I've, I've kept you for a long time, but I do want to ask you these. There isn't an in the round in your face live album, but if it did exist, how do you think it would compare to the one? official Def Leppard live album, which is 2011's Mirrorball. Do you think it would like knock it out of the park and be a million times better than Mirrorball? Or do you think Mirrorball could actually compete with it in some way? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Obviously, when Mirrorball came out in 2011, we were between Songs from Spark Lounge 2008 and then Def Leppard self-titled in 2015. And I think it was almost like an unexpected release, but I kind of felt like it was, a bit, it was just a bit of filler because they were just touring constantly in the States. You know, we're, we're still waiting in the UK three, four years between tours. Obviously, excited when it came out. Thoroughly uh, enjoy it. Um, like the bonus live of action and bad actress, brilliant. The new songs in and defeated Kings of the World. It's all about believing fantastic to have them there but kind of sort of adding the new songs on putting the bonus live does does that detract from a live after death would that detract from an in the round live 
Um, you know, you've got to pick it up on the DVD as well so you can see all the behind features. I don't revisit Mirrorball that often, to tell you the truth. But if that was in the round, in vinyl in front of me, that'd be a regular played um, just because of the moment that it was. Um, I would have preferred personally something like Def Leppard at Download 2009, headlining. Mm. You know, the the biggest rock festival in the UK, 80,000 people, Def Leppard headlined there three times. I would love a triple album vinyl record store day release of those three headline performances. Yeah. That would, or, or just one of them, the 2009, you know, the seminal, the first one. Um, would be spectacular. I don't think it'd be a 2019 because obviously that was a stadium more as well, wasn't it? But um, it, it would knock Mirrorball out to the park. We know Mirrorball's a, a bloody good album and it sold very well, but come on, in the round could be through the roof, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And by the way, Dave, um, once uh, a very handsome and beautiful and kind man gave me his spare copy of Mirrorball, the, the wow. Walmart special edition. Oh, the clear vinyl. With the clear vinyl. Do you remember who that man was who gave that to me and posted it? And I was very, very excited, like a kid on Christmas Day. It was a, it, it, it is this one, isn't it? It is the three clear vinyl. And I do believe you had my, my double, my spare copy. You so did. do you visit it often? I do. I do. <laughs> you actually. do. Yeah, Good. I do. And I think part of the reason I revisit it more is because of the vinyl copy that you sent it to me. When I had it on CD, I used to listen to it a yeah. fair bit, but not loads. But ever since you sent me that, um, I do listen to it a lot more. So uh, publicly, again, thank you very much for that, Dave. <laughs> You're very welcome. I'm glad it's gone to a good home where it will be livingly cherished. Yeah, okay, so right, we're going we're gonna to tie up the, the loose ends now. Right. Going to finish with my view. My view might be different to yours, and I want to hear your view as well, okay? So the reason that I wanted to do a whole episode on In The Round In Your Face, okay, even though it's, you know, it's not an album, is that my view is that although it's not an album, it's an absolute iconic and vital Def Leppard release that should be treated with exactly the same reverence as an album, even though it wasn't turned into a live album. It's just a video that then was, you know, changed into a DVD. So firstly... Do you agree with me on that, uh, that this is an iconic release that should be put up there with Def Leppard albums or not? Wholeheartedly. You, you've, you've summarised that and articulated it so well, it needs no other word, Neil. Love it, love it. And then my final question for you, okay, is that being the case, if we were going to include in the round, in your face, in a ranking of all Def Leppard's iconic releases. So I think that would be all of the albums. You can throw yeah. in a story maybe as well. Definitely throw in a Def Leppard EP. And that, that includes live albums, Mirrorball, cover albums. Yeah. Um, so it's a big releases. If we were going to do a ranking, I want to know where everything is, but whereabouts roughly or specifically would in the round, in your face go, in the Def Leppard entire catalogue. Okay, so you're back here, your wonderful top fives new. So number five for me is Slang. Uh, slang I've loved since since the very, very start, and it didn't have to grow on me. 
got me straight away. Loved it. So wait uh, there. So straight away, you've given away it's going to be in your top five. Yeah. I okay. Have, yeah. All right. Excellent. All right. Carry on. So number four for me then is the classic straightforward balls out stomping rock will be high and dry, which I know for many is is like number one or even number two. Uh, my number one has to be Hysteria because that's what I fell in love with. Very close second then is Pyromania. And as in the round is an amalgamation of Hysteria and Pyromania, those albums live, that would be my third. That'd be number three in my top five permanently. Dave, you know, I said earlier that I think we might have been separated at birth. You know, we're picking all of the same highlights for in the round in your face we go and see Def Leppard for the first time on, on the yeah. tour you're wearing a t-shirt right now that I wear as well all of the all of these things that mm. happen we both got the Walmart Mirrorball clear vinyl both of we them. both got that Def Leppard drumstick I see by yeah, you yeah 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 exactly another present from you thank you very much right you're all welcome. of these things I had hysteria number one right Romania number two in yeah. the round in your face number three well wow, look Boom. at that Boom. Drop the mic. Uh, what was your number four? Well, I never went beyond the oh, okay. round. So but I can answer it. It would be slang. Slang would be four. Come yes. on, let's watch, watch your number five. Number five. Round this is where I get very controversial. And a lot of the right. older Def Leppard fans are going to really dislike me for this. But remember, everyone, we're on the same side. And what the album <laughs> I put number five is Def Leppard. You know, it's not Vixen. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, you know, no, like, no. Okay. Death for me as well. Yeah, the Def Leppard self-titled yeah. album would be is my four favorite Def Leppard album in the whole catalog, including in around in your face. That it drops down a space to five. And before everyone starts sending me um, pig's heads in the post or I wake up tomorrow with a horse's head, High and Dry would be next. <laughs> I know you all disagree with me putting High and Dry so low, but that's a discussion for another day. And in the future on Def Lep Pod, we are going to start looking at each album in loads and loads of detail where we look at each album over more than just one episode, maybe aside an episode. So that's something to come in 2022. Dave, it just leaves me to say thank you very, very much for your time tonight. I know that everyone would enjoy listening to your, your passion and your enthusiasm and your knowledge for all things Def Leppard and particular in the round in your face. Thank you very much. Jochen Wout, awesome Welsh you. Thank you very much, Neil. Always a pleasure. Anytime. And look at that. Time just flies when we're having fun talking about the greatest band in the world, Def Leppard.
Good night!